Hey y'all, in this episode, Ahmed shares his story about coming to the United States and the process, the problems, and some of the programs used uh, when immigrating to the Western world. I know I learned a lot, uh, especially about the variety of visas, so I think that you'll find value added in listening to this as well. So enjoy the show. Far Angle Podcast with Luke and Ahmed. Hello, folks. Glad to be with you again. Today, Ahmed and I are going to talk about, we'll just kind of dive into your experience as an immigrant from Somalia and just how to operate within the Western culture and, and the U.S. and some specifics to Minnesota, I suppose. So. Exactly. So this is a really very uh, big topic and uh, those immigration and integration within a new system and new uh, culture is something really very different and uh, the, everybody has a different experience because when you, even when you come from the, within the same country, it's, it's a different. Yeah. yeah. Big time. You, you and I just briefly mentioned differences between state lines in the United States. And how Wisconsin folks uh, say bubbler, or some of them say bubbler instead of a drinking fountain, or a time machine instead of an ATM. ATM. And so that's just across state lines in the Midwest, how there's vast differences. Exactly. Sometimes it's nothing to do how much you understand this language, uh, but, you know, the expression of that language and the culture that ties to, to the language is very important. Uh, mm-hmm. to understand the background of, of the things, you know, the way that uh, the people formulate the idea, uh, it depends on the environment, and it's very different from environment to environment, like you mentioned, to Wisconsin or, or maybe any, uh, what about if you go far to Texas? Well, you're going to order a soda instead of a pop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, it's going to be way very different if it's like from across the continents and and the people migrating from uh, uh, far Asia or let's say Japan or Africa, like myself in Somalia. Yeah, uh, 1991, let's go uh, We're going backwards. back to Somalia, 1991. Okay. Somalia was, go. before 1991, was a very peaceful country and there was no civil war, nothing. There was a central government, it was a dictatorship uh, a government, we, a military government we had. But after 1991, there was a civil war. There was a political, and there was like uh, many civil wars going on elsewhere in in in, in Middle East and in Africa. Countries. Exactly, yeah. like Ethiopia, there was a civil war going on that time, and you know Somalia and some other Eritrea. The the, the whole region was not stable that moment, and the, you know there was like in a, in the Middle East 1988 there was a civil civil or war between two countries Iran and, and Iraq there was like wars going so many different way areas in that region Middle East and in East Africa so when the civil war took place uh, in Somalia 1991 and the people realized that they, this is gonna take a little bit time because of the that there was a deep civil unrest and civil war going on so the every institution and the military and the government institutions everything collapsed so nobody b- rules the country 
and the president was ousted and you know the the opposition leaders who who was fighting with the military regime in Somalia even they disagreed at that time it was like nowhere no education nothing and the people started going to uh, neighborhood countries like Kenya Ethiopia Djibouti and some of them who uh, uh, had the opportunity to fly out of the country they started that is the time like many people you see that in Minnesota started migrating to not only United States but Europe, Europe and neighboring countries like Ethiopia and all Africa they started fleeing because of when you have no peace at home you have no option just the only option you have is just to leave wherever you think that's very peaceful so let's come to United States. United States, there are different ways that you can come. If you have a family members here who can sponsor you, that's one way that the people uh, can come here. Uh, there is a diversity visa, uh, which was approved uh, early 19, uh, 1990s. And that was also because only that uh, the diversity visa is only for the people who can, who have some certain level of skills uh, it's approved for the because in diversity visa if you don't have a certificate or maybe an experience uh, people are not eligible to 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 get that visa that's called a diversity diversity visa, visa do, yes do those still exist it still exists okay yeah it's oh. uh, uh united states congress approved and still right now it's in debate whether they're going to continue or uh, reform it there's something going on with that that's another political level uh, discussion going on, but let's come the processes that the people take advantage and come here. So uh, the diversity visa is an option. Uh, there is a HP1 visa that's specific for talented, educated, highly skilled people who are coming from many different countries, but usually you will see a lot of those visas are uh, from like Indian subcontinent like India itself, uh, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Nepal, those countries because of they have uh, a huge number of uh, uh, we can say the ha very close half of the world population because combined India, Pakistan and Bangladesh uh, the population of those three countries are more than uh, three million more than the China population so it's All not right. there they have uh, and they have a skillful uh, people there and they don't have like enough jobs created by their states, so they're exporting uh, talent, talent, their people. To, yeah, to be yeah, sure. to, to Europe, and but they have a very uh, uh, due process system that allows the people to be eligible to work uh, wherever they go. Through so HB1. because exactly, yeah. How Here long? In, how long do those visas? Uh, the last? process, the but the the process is, it's five years. But usually renewable after uh, three years in some cases. But depending on the employer, because in that case, you know, there is an employer involved in because the, the those people, when they get their visas and their educational documents evaluated and changed and approved by State Department, then they will be eligible. But uh, they have to be hired by somebody in the United States and then get a sponsorship because and and it's only those fields that the u.s will uh, because only there is a problem with the, the the workforce problem if you don't for example if you need a 
a thousand people in the IT department, only IT section, industry, and if you have only 10 people, there is a gap of, of you need 90 people. So, uh, the, then so they we'll import IT import talent. Import talent. Yeah, exactly. Through the HP1 visa. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that's also another option. Uh, there is so many uh, uh, other options. There is uh, special talent, special visa uh, for the people who worked, uh, coordinated with the U.S. military outside and worked for the U.S. government contract as a contract outside of the United States, uh, especially in those uh, conflict zones. For example, Iraq, Somalia, uh, Yemen, those Libya. Uh, there is some people, who local people, because in order the United States to be in those countries, they need a local people who can understand the dynamics, the culture, uh, work with the United States. So when that mission is done, so those people are not safe in those countries. So they have a program which allows them to migrate to the United States. All right. Yeah. Okay. So sponsorships, visas, working with or collaborating with our military, those are a few of the processes. Process, yeah. And there is uh, some special visas too, uh, uh, such as like special talent, uh, like you're a comedian or uh, celebrity somewhere else, you know, it's uh, another program which uh, the people who might not have a technical skills but uh, very popular can be useful in the United States. Uh, writer, public speaker, uh, some celebrities, uh, comedians, and it's like it's not limited to all of those. But you know, U.S. State Department will always determine that uh, when the when uh, when the people submit their application sure. with the help of somebody in the United States. Okay. Yeah. So those are immigration visa, and it's called like immigrant visa. And there is non-immigrant visa, like somebody coming for business, somebody coming for a short stay. It's another thing. In that, let's not forget, there is an investment visa. A lot of Chinese people, like the people who have, they have investment and they want to come and invest here. If they have, like, uh, uh, if they invest in the United States, half million dollars, so they will get, that comes with the immigration benefit. They will be approved for somebody, for, 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 for some program, like uh, they will be, like, uh, lawful permanent residents as that's the terminology. As long as they're investing, yeah. in, investing, in, yeah, in business Ex and yeah, some sort of e economic development yeah, exactly. project. Exactly, yeah, but, and there is, you know, every program comes with like eligibility program. What about the re refugees? Refugees is different case. It's nothing tied. That doesn't. It, that's humanitarian. It, it doesn't like do a uh, benefit the United States, like the people investing, or maybe the people coming with skills or people sponsored by families, refugees is a humanitarian issue. People living in uh, the biggest uh, refugee camps. In, 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 in Turkey, people fleeing from Syria war, Iraq's war, Jordan. Uh, what about Dadaab uh, refugee camp in one of the biggest refugee camps in the world? It's in Kenya, between the border of Kenya and Somalia. There's another one in Djibouti. You know, you will find, like, because since wars are going, the people will be displaced every day. So the people will have a shelter, and the United States, the United Nations uh, refugee 
agency called UNHCR is responsible to accommodate those people and give them a temporary shelter. It's, it's, it's called temporary, but sometimes the people will end up living there Permanent. for 20 years or sure. more. And if they don't get uh, a sponsorship or something, um, they will just live there. So what happens that the, that agency, UNHCR, gives them an opportunity to, to stay there, get access to water, education, and those basic things. And while they're living there, so there is a process going on. The, that agency requests from different countries, like wealthier countries like United States, uh, Australia, uh, some European countries, and anywhere they think that they can better, they can, yeah, they can get a better life than they have in the refugees. So that agency requests from those countries. So every country has some people, will accept some people. Those people, you know, I, I need to emphasize that they don't have a passport, so the, they don't. They are stateless. They have nothing at all. So the United the UNHCR will uh, give them a refugee status, so that nobody stays stateless. All right, and and so UNHCR is the entity reaching out to countries to ask, are you willing or able to take refugees okay. from? A certain camp that they're exactly okay. yeah, and the the foreign uh, first department or the state department in the United States uh, will evaluate the situation, and they have an embassy anywhere, so they evaluate and work with those agencies, uh, right. yeah, agencies and, and 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 request maybe accept some of them, and there is a cap for that. There is a number that every country takes every year, Canada, United States, and you know. And then what happens is that what the people reach here. So we spoke about different groups. Yeah. How those different gr groups integrate into the United States is, is different. Yeah, and so, so what were some... Well, I guess, first off, I'd like to ask, which process or which route did you take in regards to coming to the United States? Yeah, exactly. Me was... Uh, uh, when I was in Somalia, uh, 2014, 16, 15, 16, I used to work with uh, 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 the Somali government, and I was uh, working uh, one year as a contractor with the World Bank project in Somalia. So what happens is that uh, I, I received a diversity. Uh, I, I filled out the application, diversity application, and I got that application. What happens is that the visa process is really very, very long very long sometimes you know and it it has a timeline and if you you know pass that timeline means that you're not getting that visa you so start all over exactly again don't get it you don't know it's just oh, like right. uh your giant stuff if you miss one time getting is it's very slow and it's very small it's it's, it's almost impossible so what happened is that uh through my connection with uh, working with the u.s embassy in mogadishu because they had a virtual, now they have an embassy there, but, uh, but which right now working to establish a permanent diplomatic uh, mission in Somalia. But before, uh, they had an um, uh, embassy in Nairobi, but with Somali section, so that usually they have a virtual presence in Mogadishu and usually travel due to the security. So I used to work with them. That, through the connection I had with the people working there, 
Right, my visa process was was very 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 uh, speedy, speedy, Ex expedited, expedited, yes, and okay. yeah, uh, the having the opportunity to come here it comes with a lot of privileges because of you have access to education, you have access to so many benefits as the rest of the people, and yeah, it's it's. So what 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 another story started here is when the people come here, uh, there is a different culture here. The culture is different, and the food is different. Understandable. Understanding everything is the education. Everything is not easy, and that is gonna take more time if you are not an English speaker. And and so you're, uh, I guess this kind of leads to a question: What were some? You're definitely going there. What what problems or maybe speed bumps or barriers did you encounter once you once you came to the U.S.? Yeah, exactly. Well, for in my case, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, to 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 do my education in in in, in Indian subcontinent, especially in Pakistan and. The people there speak English, and the education is English. So you had English yeah, coming uh, here. Yeah, exactly. When I was coming here, I, all, I used to work with a different population, international community in Somalia, so I was able to communicate with them. And when I came here, I, I didn't have a lot of challenge because of, I, you know, when you have a challenge, always you have a challenge. You know, you came here. Set a settlement will take some time because you're not working. It's a new environment. You need to work. You need to settle yourself. You need to rent a house or, you know, live with somebody for temporary, mm -hmm. but renting a house and, you know, you, you need to get a job. Yeah. So what did you do? I mean, yeah, exactly. Where did you when live? I How came did... here, uh, I had, uh, and that's what happens. Usually, you know, somebody in the United States or. Uh, somebody living here because there is a community who already arrived before uh, before you or if you know somebody personal that's an advantage and I knew a lot of people here it was very easier for me to uh, connect with them I had uh, some uh, cousins and you know people who are my relatives so I just communicated with them and like, hey, really, I'm, I'm coming, yeah, I'm I'm coming there to stay. I mean, yeah exactly exactly yeah uh, so yeah. networking, like networking, being able to network and figure yeah, out exactly, yeah, who could open their door to you in, as soon as you as soon as arrive. you yeah arrive. So that was the case, and then when I came here, uh, just made uh, my resume and started applying jobs. So I, I had a couple of interviews, and one of them was Chris, which is Stanis Benton Employment Training Council, and uh, yeah, I was new. And the thing is that you don't have experience working here. Yeah, you might be a very a better position in your own country and doing something different, but when you come here, uh, it's different because of you don't have experience working in the United States. It's different the rules, the laws, and everything is different. So that takes a little bit of time. But as long as you get working somewhere, mm -hmm. uh, it, that that helps. Yeah, you can like within six months you you figure out everything and you're okay too. That language piece helps a lot and, you know, breaks a lot of barriers. What about if you don't know that English language? Sure. Starting the ESL and trying some government benefits and, you know, it will start from there. Yeah. Taking a quick break here to let you know you can connect with us on Twitter. 
at Far Angle Podcast, or you can send us a message through email, and that is thefarranglepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, y'all. One, in speaking with you earlier on, we talked about how that's a difference that you have seen, and I've heard this from others as well, where just showing up here with certificates, degrees, diplomas doesn't guarantee work success, but on the opposite, if you were to go back to uh, you know, home country or um, I guess wherever you know, someone was from, generally the education is, is seen a little bit more prestigious and it's easier to get jobs just by solely saying, yes, I have a bachelor's degree. Exactly, yeah. But here, that experience is, 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 is different. You exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's really very good question because here, when the people show up with some certificate, whatever level, let's say like a tiers program or a or diploma a master. or master's degree. So uh, luckily there is a very good system here in the United States, depending on your country of education. Uh, there is a credential evaluation uh, organizations. Under, this. Yeah, this is another uh, problem. Because of United States, it's it's the education is not federal, it's state level. The education is run by, uh, by by state level, so the federal government does not involve day to day operations in education of like different states have different rules and regulations. Even sometimes within the United States, one state, the institution in one state might have different requirements for enrolling somebody from outside in their education program or maybe employment. So I know that uh, uh, there is a, a difficult process going there and I figuring out and you know it's not free, it's not it's free, it's not free. So figuring out who which resources to use in order to break that gap or above if, if, if the people don't have idea even that that program exists. Yes, it's it's a it's a rigorous pro- process that takes a lot of time. Right. But uh, in my case, let me give you my my ex- experience. When I came here, I just had my resume and I went because you know, um, if you really uh, had an education, you can show up that in your interview. So when the, when you talk to the people, if they think that uh, they you know something because you're not like uh, middle school or they they can easily figure out that the credential evaluation will help that helps a lot there is a world education service there's a lot of organizations and under umbrella of like national credential evaluation services association okay uh, so that's the, what someone should check out if they're check, yeah, exactly out what yeah exactly what education what, is. exactly depends on your country education your country of education where you are educated so they have uh, certain uh, requirements from any any country in my case my education was in Pakistan my my graduation and bus graduation graduation graduate degrees were from there so in here there is uh, two organizations usually very uh, preferred by institutions when it comes to uh, working or going for further education World Education Service and credential, educational credential evaluators. Uh, so this world. one based in yes, well, World Education based in New York. 
Okay. And the uh, educational credential evaluators that's based in uh, its organization based in nonprofit organization based in Wisconsin. So in in my case that was very uh, easy because it's it's just Wisconsin, it's Wisconsin is here. Yeah. It's here. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so someone coming to the United States has education and wants to know what it's what the equivalent is in the United States should check out World Education Service Surf, yeah, out of Surf New York. Is exactly. Out, and you know it's they do do everything online. So online. what you can do is that I can tell the website. Uh, the websites are wes.org wes.org or educational credential evaluators which is the website is ece.org Okay, and that one's yeah, out of Wisconsin. Exactly, yeah. So when you visit that website, uh, the website, so they have uh, a country requirement, educational documents requirement. You can just uh, pick up your uh, required documents uh, link in the website, and then you can check out your country. You can pick out, like you can say just, like, for example, India, and then you can pick up India, and they they have like a detailed information of, what you need to bring and how you the right, payment so is on, yeah the payment is online uh payment? the, the payment oh, what's what does this cost depending on what kind of certificate you have this can take up to uh let's say 300 okay yeah, USD bucks. we're talking about yeah, yeah. USD 300 maximum I'm talking max. about that can be like less than than that but let's let's just talk about the maximum sure. because uh, there is the evaluation surface itself it's it's not free but what about you need to mail out your certificates uh, to courier and mm -hmm. you are responsible to paying out your uh, mailing mailing in again okay so those are very helpful uh the 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 aim of this uh, organization and their focus is to transfer the talent the international talent to United, and nobody works in the United States or does edu further education without getting first evaluation. All right, good resource. How about a, I guess one problem, and this is maybe a this is more of a lighthearted problem. When you and I were talking about, uh, I don't know, someone was wearing a pretty nice looking shirt. Must have been you, Ahmed, and uh, <laughs> and you. You started talking about how it was difficult to find clothing that matched your like your shoulder measurements and your like your arm length was was much different than <laughs> maybe like most shirts at H and M or whatever it was. So, what was it? What was exactly. up? How did you how did you find like the correct clothing to wear and things that fit you well? And I I have a sense that's a that's kind of a barrier that maybe folks run into too. Is like, well, how do I how do I shop for what's going to work well for me? Yeah, exactly. Um, um, that's really a very good question. The thing is that uh, when you come to the United States, uh, I know that when you are when you live in in your hometown or maybe a city that you know better, you know where to shop most. You know your like your little secret like, yeah. shopping places. Mm -hmm. You get the good uh, socks, it, the nice uh, pants. Yeah, and you know the people exactly, and you know what you want exactly. But when you come a different, and that happens, you know, for example, if you end up like going to Italy, where you go to, uh, which bar barber shop you gonna go? I don't know. I'd be freaked out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, some of them very expensive, some of them <laughs> yes. very cheap. Which will you go? Which, 
which one will do what you wanted sure. to yeah it, again it's it's a personal preferences a lot of people just show up and do the shopping and see what they want to pick up for it. but in my case it's very different i used to go like a very specific places to um match and buy what i wanted coming here the measurement is different okay metric versus standard. metric versus is is different uh for example miles is something you will only see just in the united states if you like the uh, the sleeves the sleeve the shirt the sleeve is mm-hmm. yeah it's you know how how you going to just check it and what is happening here what's going on sure yeah and then sometimes you might use your mobile to convert the units into the ones that you know and then understand from there how these sleeves going to yeah, fit me it, it fit me yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so that is uh one of the uh, things so that you need to figure out which shops that you go and okay and but that that the people will figure out that very easily because of when they when you go like a very big shop so you can try and see which one fits like then take can, note what the measurement yeah, exactly. is exactly then you can take a note from there yeah. well the measurement thing reminds me of doing a little research and just talking to other folks too of the United States is huge, and so it it seems that some folks arrive and they're like, "Oh, yeah, t- Texas. I'll just I'll just drive over there and I'll meet you." And then they don't realize how big, how many miles one would have to drive to get to the other side of a state, or um, you know, maybe someone says they want to go to Chicago from here and. It, it'll dawn on them, like, oh my goodness, you know, that's going to be seven hours in a car. I haven't done that ever in my life. Can I take a train? Well, then that leads to another difference another. with the United States. Is our, our train system is not like others, and oftentimes it's more expensive, and there's a bunch of stops that's super inconvenient. So I think maybe those, are, those seem to be big adjustments as well. Like, right. holy moly, this place is huge. Where's the train station? And oh, I can't find that. I can't find that. Yeah, it will so take a little bit yeah. sometime mm-hmm. <laughs> at the beginning to figure out. If, especially if you are from like uh, very new to the system, and maybe if you are, for example, from a very uh, developed country, and you come here, it's very easier than the the people who never the first time seeing this kind kind of like a very big inland United States. But usually, you know what happens that the people get will will get help through various agencies who help coordinate that the transportation bees how the people arrive and you know they have orientations and there is something already the housing authority set up something, and when they come here, uh, they will usually get the assistance from non profit organizations from government and there is involvement. So again, it takes some time uh, for you to uh, understand how things are very different, how, like, this is not a very small country. Maybe sometimes states are... And, you know, the states function like a government, independent government. Mm-hmm. If you if you talk about California, uh, California is, the, economic-wise, if, if, if California would have been a country, it could be, like, the the sixth wealthiest nation in the world. But right now, it's guess what? It's just a state. Yeah. Sure. All so right. some states are wealthier than Other nations. States. Oh, nations. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe like many countries combined. If you talk about Minnesota, Minnesota's GDP is uh, more than combined 
Somalia, Ethiopia, Djibouti, let's say East Africa. Hmm. Yeah. So it's with the economic, it's the, the dynamic, the education system and everything. And it's different even within the United States. Let's talk about in Minnesota, you have to have a car. But in what about New York? Not so much. Not so much. Yeah, it's not uh, very useful to drive a car in downtown Manhattan. Mm -mm. Yeah, good point. How about the weather? You have any uh, this have any is, insight yeah. on <laughs> folks coming in and? This is the biggest uh, thing. Granted, that, you're in uh, yeah, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, use uh, has uh, different states with different timelines, uh, time zones. Uh, sure. Yeah, exactly. What happens is that so some, there's no some there's not time. There's not different time zones in Somalia? No, it's all the only same. the time zone is, is, is one. It's one. And Do the daytime savings is, is very, like, it, it doesn't change. Like You don't much. have daylight savings? Not I tell much. you, it would be beautiful if we didn't either. Now that I'm, I'm a father and we've got little kids, having them adjust to time, time daylight savings, time changes, is ridiculous. It would. <laughs> so, okay, anyway, that was a little tangent. But. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I get my whole uh, schedule changed during November when the, the days <laughs> become very short and sometimes I see myself sleeping in, in office, feeling sleepy in office and what's because of the time rapidly changed and you will see like you don't have any time uh, during the day. It's just seven, eight hours and you have that long nights and yeah, sure, you sleep long, and wake up yeah, and you sleep and wake up and still you have some nights and sometimes you, you drive... Uh, to work in the morning. Dark, yeah. yeah, it's it's very dark. So that yeah. was another adjustment for you? Exactly, and the weather, it's really... Uh, uh, Tell me more, Ahmed. This is a 360-degree change in my life. Because when I was living in Somalia, and those like, um, uh, it's like uh, Amazon area, it's mm -hmm. tropical area, the weather it's rainy, or it's like, they in Somalia, there is no winter. At all, there's no winter. It's right. just raining season and, and it's sun. It's sunny all the time. Yeah. So coming here and Minnesota, I have I've lived in some winter area when I used to live in Pakistan and, and working in Turkey. It's, it's colder. But now here, I've never, ever seen winter of 2018, 19. It's another level. <laughs> You're pro now. <laughs> Another level. I've never seen like anything below uh, five degrees or Celsius. Yeah, degrees Celsius, <laughs> not that Fahrenheit. Uh, Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yeah, Fahrenheit. And I can say like anything beyond twenty Fahrenheit. It's mm -hmm. it's 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 extreme to me, but I take it now. I I have the experience that I sure. lived many years here, and now I'm Minnesotan. So so coming in, just prepare. Yeah, for vast differences and, and exactly you know when you have some clothing, yeah, yeah having that thing in mind that the uh, life is going to change and the weather is like something that you need to take prepare of yourself you know the transportation piece is very important if you have a car uh it should have like a very nice ac in the in the in, in the summer sometimes some days are very heat uh what about the, those very cold days you can go to work if you're car if you don't prepare yourself ahead of time it's sure, with like very, battery issues yeah, ex or? exactly yeah um, and the language 
yeah, there is a lot of resources that the people, the community, the school districts and provide. So the people have the opportunity to go to schools, but sometimes it's very difficult to adjust. You will see a lot of people not getting time to go and learn the language, the basic language, because of they they have like obligations. They have a family and they have uh, they are the breadwinners of the, those families, and they have to work. Um, my money time. I mean, like uh, extra time, hours during the day, and they never get a chance to go and attend school. Okay, so everything seems to be going back to the the language piece. And if someone can build their skill and and move through, past, over, under that barrier, other things really will open up. Exactly, much I, easier, and I met it. like a, there is a lot of sexes, especially speaking about Somali. Uh, the, the generation that flowed from uh, civil war and arrived to United States, a lot of them like went to schools, educated themselves, and now they are like integral part of Minnesota. Now, mm-hmm. uh, some of them still feeling difficult, but you know my suggestion is that language is not very hard. You know, when you understand that you can do something and you know that you can do. You can just start, and within six months or one year, you will see that change. Because language itself is difficult. There is a f- four components in any language: reading, uh, writing, listening, and 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 speaking. Usually, the people will understand, as they hear for a longer time. The longer they're here, the better they understand the, what the people are saying. But trying to uh, speak, and read and write, you know. And, you know, it's nothing to do with only going to school. I understand that going to school with an instructor, uh, organized classes are very important, but that's only guess what. It's just 30% of what you're doing. Uh, this is of how I understand. But it's your, uh, it's your commitment, personal co- commitment to go and read everything, try to speak to people, and um, ask them, hey, uh, correct me if I... If I do something, if you think that I'm telling you something wrong or uh, pronouncing, uh, and you know, usually the people have will have a different pronunciation, and that's that's not that's okay. Uh, that, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, now my I have accent, and, you know, I I understand that, but you know, as long as I can speak the, to the people and I can write emails, reports, and the people understand me, it's okay. And always, it's like uh, every day is a, a learning day for everybody. Yeah, I would agree. And and so what I'm hearing, too, is for someone hosting maybe a, a new immigrant or a refugee, don't be afraid to, to correct or maybe just show, exactly. show them, like, hey, this is how it's pronounced or this is what we do here. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. it's, it's like, uh, look, if you want to speak Somali language, I can speak Arabic language or maybe, let's say, like Urdu I used to study in Pakistan or Indian language. If you want to right now learn that language, uh, if I see that you 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 speaking that um, you pronouncing some words in different way, I can correct you. Yeah, it's it's always like, but you know the people have to be open to uh, to education for learning new thing a new language. It's it's advantage. It's advantage mm-hmm. always. Sure. Yeah, and what I've learned throughout my time too. Just interacting with you know with you and others that have have come to the U.S., it's it's been a lot of fun. Just being curious, open-minded, w- without judgment, and I, f- I find it fascinating 
all the experiences that you that you have and your perspectives. And ultimately, that's what led us to wanting to do a, a podcast is because it's just fascinating <laughs> listening to you. Exactly. And, um, and, you know, I'll tell the people, if you think that you, if you are, like, not confident to speak, uh, be confident to speak. Just go for it. Go for it. Talk that's, to the people. You will, uh, you will find your mistakes. You can correct it. The people can find it, tell you all the time. And it's not, Italians speak English different. Arabs speak English different, you know, uh, Indians, yeah, yeah, exactly different, even Minnesotans different, mm-hmm. Texas people different, you know. Good point. Yeah, it's no, like, uh, like there is, like, uh, only one rule that you can speak or, or not speak, no. Sure. There is always an opportunity, as long as you can understand me, that means I, I can speak. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. don't be fearful, just strike no, up conversation, and I, something that's that's helped me, I think, is just being comfortable and confident with, with saying hi, doing, exactly. a, doing a fist bump or a, mm-hmm. you know, a handshake. Yeah. And that really gets the conversation started. It's, it's using, acknowledgement. Right. Using uh, uh, resources that we have. The library is free. There is a lot of books and you can, you know, internet is a very good, you know, uh, resource that we have. You can listen uh, by, if you know that you're going to build something like your listening skills or your writing skills, you can listen uh, uh, a topic and you can write about that. You can, right. uh, you can speak about that. You can, uh, you know, you can listen to people, talk to the people, read something, write something in that way within like uh, uh, any language. Like if you have a program, uh, you know, a schedule, mm-hmm. then your curriculum, your uh, curriculum, then anybody will Im- improve any new language. Yeah. Excellent. That's my uh, my suggestion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I started. Uh, I'm. I want to share this. The first time I learned English is when I was eighteen. Eighteen. All right. Eighteen. Before that, I was not even to speak a single word of English. And um, start again. Started like, but depending on the resources that you have, but again, seventy uh, percent of learning any language is commitment just doing it exactly and not being afraid talk to the people and where did you start so when you were 18 and you wanted to learn english where did you start yeah i started uh i was uh i was in the university i was accepting the university but the, the the education is in english and my english is not up to good level but i have to uh i had to do uh uh preparation i had to attend some classes uh in the university and there was a pakistani american cultural center uh which is uh, a cultural center uh, which is uh, attached to the embassy and then there they have the over classes and i used to go sometimes there i used to read a newspaper it's very hard it was not very easy but it takes a little bit time since you, there is no like day uh, like November twenty, you will be able Ta-da! to speak. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like uh, nobody knows when you grow up. You gradually grow up, and uh-huh. without not noticing it, right? <laughs> it's, I guess. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right. You you'll see, like you know, when the babies are very small and how they grow up and how you know it's gradual. Yeah, it's I like I like that point. Nobody knows exactly when you officially grew up. 
Yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. Yeah, but you're 18. It's one of the people 10, 18, that doesn't mean like, hey, today that they have to be uh, six foot, four feet, five <laughs> or whatever. But no. <laughs> Good point. Everything's so, a progression. Yeah. Yeah. Confident. Be confident. Be confident. But use different resources. And if you don't know, ask the people, I need to do this thing. Where can I go? Sure. Asking and getting information. Information is very powerful. Getting a little information can save you time, can save you money, and can make and a your, lot of it can make your future brighter. Yeah. Amen. Appreciate your time. Thanks for sh- sharing your story. I think a lot of folks will find that helpful. I know I did. And enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. We'll talk uh, to y'all later.